You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode 58 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Right now I'm sitting outside on my porch enjoying a shisha. And I'm about to introduce this episode's guest. And in this episode I am joined by my good friend and alchemist Salasius. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, you might recognize his sweet French accent, as he has appeared many times before, this being his fourth appearance. Previously, he has featured in episode 24, The Alchemical Quest, episode 34, Alchemy Congress 2015, and episode 39, Gold and Silver. And as you can tell from the titles of the episodes Salasius appears in, we usually talk about alchemy. And this episode will be no different. We have decided to go through the colors of alchemy. So without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so thanks for being on the podcast once again. This is your fourth visit Absolutely, I'm absolutely yeah, and um, um, very pleased as always. It's a great pleasure. So, in this episode, we had a plan to talk about the colors of alchemy. Can you briefly just say something about the colors of alchemy? Yes, um, the colors of alchemy is a wide subject, and um, we just need to to explain exactly when these colors happened. So at first, the alchemists prepare the secret fire and the sulfur of the matter. And this is the first steps. There is um, generally no colors, uh, so to speak, in these processes. So it's only after the rubies or making a chemical wedding that there is something special happening inside the matter during the last coction um, of the philosophical egg that is prepared by the alchemist inside the Atanor. So there we have sometimes, uh, depending of the authors, three colors, four colors, and up to ten colors even. So... Um, Generally, there is a, a very first color. There is the color of the rebis, which is a chemical wedding, and it's not taken into account. It can be of um, grayish color, uh, bluish color, greenish color, yellowish, brownish, reddish, uh, whatever. And it's not uh, a true color, so to speak. And the colors also are um, named the regiments of fires and they are generally linked to planets and forces that marks uh, the true colors of time like an enochian uh, call says um, the true colors of time are like seasons passing inside the flask and making the compound um, more and more um, prepared and digested in a way so 
the first color is the blackness and some authors call it the the crown's head but it can also be like the blackest of all blacks and um it is a saturnian uh, saturnian phase it's winter and it's linked to element earth and it, it is the putrefaction of the female and the male uh, or mercury and sulfur inside the flask because it's um, like in the Salomon Trismosa, um, Dunum Dei, uh, um, Splendor Solis, ex excuse me. Uh, in the Splendor Solis, there is a, a kind of black sun, which is in fact a kind of eclipse. It's the wedding of the sun and the moon, so it gives you a perfect and total blackness. And this blackness is death, death um, in its purest form. So this is uh, the, the point of view, the technical point of view of alchemy. And from a psychologic um, uh, psychologic uh, way to live it, uh, you are in, in yourself and dying. Uh, at some point, but it's very psychological, but it can also be in your um, physical body. You can feel um, that you are like uh, almost dead. Um, you feel very weak and you feel very uh, desperate. Um, you, are, you are completely killed inside and you feel completely lost and with no light in your life and you see everything dark. And uh, it's a very pessimist um, vision that you have of yourself and others and of life itself. Um, but it's also a shamanic uh, initiation. And I think that uh, you experience that kind of death moment where, in the other words, uh, they kill you. Yes, exactly. Uh, a... Uh... A death that's not real, but it is real for your psyche, and uh, it's it's one of the things you should strive for if you're doing some sort of shamanic work is to go through the process of death because it's much easier to die in your real life if you have gone through it once. It's like having a bit of a practice, and um, some people are very lucky that they they are in a car crash or something and they survive. And they get a new appreciation for life after this near-death experience. And uh, But it's very dangerous to try to get a near-death experience. That's why it's much more safe to go through a shamanic initiation and have a safe death experience. Or if you want to use alchemy, of course, where you can... Uh, you know, in, in spiritual alchemy, it's it's more symbolic and in... And I guess it's symbolic in laboratory alchemy as well because it's you what when you're working in the lab it reflects your real life I guess I don't work in the lab but maybe you can explain that more how 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 can you connect your lab work uh, with your normal life? Well, it happens. Um, it's a, a bit of two extremes. Um, it's exactly the two sides of the same coins. Uh, but for example, when you work a matter in the lab, 
you automatically create a link and it's a kind of uh, like in in bodybuilding they say that there is a, a connection between your muscle and your brain and here in alchemy there is a connection between the matter and your soul or your spirit and uh, it happens to to be linked through your spirit of course but uh, your dreams your um, uh, all the energies coming all around the flask because it's the flask is not um, it's not what we think we it's it's not a chemical experiment so there is life force uh, wandering all around so sometimes we have some spirits and they act accordingly to the phase of the of the of the flask so it's uh, sometime cutting bridges and cutting links and cutting relationship with people and all these things are kind of death and sometimes even for the most mediumistic people uh, death itself can can come to initiate you in your dreams or in your um, <clears throat> alpha awakened state where you can uh, understand and hear the message of death and um, the, the more you are in its energy or in her energy, uh, the more you understand its role and its, um, and its death, depth uh, of action. And it's far more than, than just um, leaving the body and uh, reincarnating and all this stuff. It's um, really something really, really deeply spiritual. And um, death will teach you how to remove all the veils from your sight and from from the sight on on the world and on people and on on absolutely everything so it's it's killing for the it's killing things for the best and for your own evolution so it's not only killing to to deprive yourself from something or it's not necessarily negative of course it can help you tremendously to to go forward on your path and it's a, really a great help of course when you resist uh, its action uh, there is a lot of pain because you inflict yourself this pain by resisting the action of letting go and acceptance and um, and of course if you hang on it uh, on, on all the things that must go you will experience uh, despair and total annihilation and uh, complete uh, despair, uh, profound despair. Uh, you, you feel completely lost, of course, um, but it's, that's part of the experience and part of the game. Uh, but it, it will help you to fill, to fill this void after. Uh, it needs to create void in order to put something new inside yourself or inside your, your life. It needs it, it cleans the room and makes space and something new can rise uh, out of all these ashes and uh, <clears throat> so-called difficult experiences. Um, this death experience can also be lived inside dreams, like ex extreme vivid dreams, 
um, where you are killed and where your ego is also put um, directly um, on on trial in a way and uh, it, it can be extremely intense and uh, you can you can beg for help but nothing will help you no uh, at, at that point you are at the extremely lowest point of the cycle and extremely lowest point inside the, um, the lower world so there is no light that could come that far so that deep to help you when we are talking about spiritual alchemy or shamanic initiation the first stage as you say is black metaphorically but when we're talking about laboratory alchemy and you, and you say the first stage is black do you also do you also mean physically black like the substance you're working with should be black yes the substance is pitch black and of an intense blackness um and you get it to be black by uh, burning it or how do you get it black if it's not black from the beginning uh, no it's not black in the beginning it turns out to be black by a slow and long coction and it's the action of the what they call the fiery water or the secret fire or the, the water that do not uh, wet your hands and uh, it will release the secret fire inside the flask and there is a special wedding which is the alchemical wedding it's no more the chemical wedding but this alchemical wedding will create a fusion of the sulfur and mercury together and by doing this you kill in some way both of the partners inside the flask so um it's a death of the principle so the compounds of the matter itself are getting completely destroyed in order to be reorganized so it's a, a chaos that happens in the flask and it can also be very chaotic in your mind at that moment and um, the moment of the year that is very close to this um, happening is halloween Halloween or Samhain, and um, all the symbols are exactly uh, the same as in alchemy, with some bats like uh, uh, bats and uh, vampires and um, skeletons and coffins and spiders and all the creatures of the night uh, that are in a way killing killing you or beasts of the night like demons and beasts of the chaos and all the stuff and it's um, they are all saying something about the the period in in the in the flask for example uh, there's a lot of representation using skeletons in alchemy and it's saying that the sulfur, which is the flesh or the soul, is completely ripped apart, uh, the skeleton, and only the, the purest quintessence is revealed in a way, and it's a symbol of the skeleton. But the skeleton is also the, um, the truth in from a philosophical way, 
because you remove all the veils and all the sulfurs um, that are attached to the salt, so the real body and the most permanent um, matter. So, so all these symbols are depicting and creating uh, a vibration around this uh, very real face, which is completely black, as I said. And uh, that can sometimes also be described as the skin of a toad, because it's uh, bubbling and releasing some gases from the matter and uh, looking uh, very, very deeply black. And spiritually, to to be in the black stage, you don't really have to do anything. You just have to discover that you are. I mean, you you shouldn't like try to become extremely depressed. You know, usually you find out you are extremely depressed, and you try to do something about it. I guess. So after the black stage, what's the what's the next color of alchemy? The next color after uh, the blackness is the greenness. And it's sometimes not considered as a major color. Some authors call it the peacock tail. And it's, uh, it can be depicted at first as a peacock effect on the blackness. And uh, after that, the greenness comes inside the flask. And the matters are just getting alive and are... Um, Re having a, a structure coming again after this chaos. So it's uh, after winter, it's spring, and it's related to the element water, if you want to link it to the traditional uh, hermetism. And from an alchemical point of view, as I said, there is a, a renewal of the sulfur, and um, a new life is springing inside the flask. So psychologically, you feel more energy, you feel more open to the world, and you have sometimes um, the need to binge, to binge inside the world. So it can be anything. But the dangerous part is to lose yourself inside uh, drug or addictions and uh, to create very strong links with the world, external world. Um, but you feel alive and you feel, and the contrast is uh, pretty, pretty strong after this very depressed phase of total annihilation. And now everything is green again and uh, you really enjoy life and try to have some projects uh, in this world. And you get involved and engage and you project a lot of energy inside the world in order to to gain from it. You take from the outside world inside yourself. So this is a psychological point of view. And uh, from an alchemical point of view, the flask is turning green. So sometimes it can be like olive green. Sometimes it can be like um, grass green. Um, and also with some kind of rainbow inside it on, on the surface. It can be like pinkish, bluish, um, generally it's these two colors that are mix, mixed together, making some small rainbows um, on, the, um, on the glass. 
or sometimes on the metal, depending on the path you use. Uh, from a shamanic point of view, it's related to the world of below, but from how could could you could could I um, uh, explain it? It's on the surface of the world of below. So you are with your uh, um, totems, animals, and uh, things like that, and you can enjoy a new life in this world. Uh, symbolically, it's related to flowers and um, and uh, the, the greenness of vegetation. Sometimes some. Venus, goddess. Um, so that's basically a positive, positive moment. But um, you you need to avoid all the addictions. And uh, in dreams, you find yourself having uh, friends and enjoying good moments, partying, or I don't know, seeing symbols of. Um, evolution and uh, growth and all this kind of positive vibes and also it can be linked with uh, money and gaining things from this world etc etc do you think that, uh, any connection with with why the emerald tablet one of the most important texts in alchemy was written supposedly on a green i mean emerald is green green tablet yeah, um, we could imagine that there's a link, but um, my opinion is that the greenness of the emerald tablet is more linked to the vegetable aspect of the secret fire, which is uh, the the force that makes the evolution inside everything in this world. And it's um, more linked with the mercury or the presence of Spiritus Mundi, like... Uh, like pointed out, uh, Cancelier and Fulcanelli in their books. So it's more something um, like a grail, <laughs> uh, having the anima mundi inside the crystal for me. Cool. And after green, what, what do you see? What color comes after green? Um, generally, after greenness, there is... Um, a kind of gray, uh, grayish color. Sometimes the greenness is um, is not very uh, long, and a green, gray, grayish comes after and takes uh, a moment after to disappear. But uh, it's linked to the planet Jupiter, and it's. Um, not very depicted. Uh, I had no, not much experience with uh, grayish color, so I will pick up, speak about the whiteness color. Um, and it comes after gray. It comes after gray. Yes, when when gray happens, but not always. Depends of the matters you use and the secret fire, uh, all the pre the preparation of the secret fire. <clears throat> so, whiteness is a kind of summer and is linked with element air. And here we have all the myth of the ascensions of the masters and um, the separation from the world. Um, how to say that? 
like being a monk on top of Himalaya uh, mountain, it's it, it lost in in permanent snows and all this kind of uh, imageries. Uh, it's very well depicted by this that kind of thing. It's it's a very spiritual moment for some people, uh, but sometimes the problem is that you are so cut from the world that nothing can reach or teach you or, or touch you. Um, uh, even the very, very um, intense things that could happen in this world will not touch you at all. So it can be dramatic, it can be um, terrible, uh, like uh, terrorism, like we had, for example, recently in Paris, and all these uh, kind of things, it will not touch you at all. And you feel completely disconnected. So in a way, you feel at peace inside yourself. But the problem is that you are so at peace that there is absolutely no more interest doing anything for your body, for your spirit, for this world. So you, you are not concerned anymore. So this is uh, how whiteness is uh, happening inside your uh, psyche when it comes out. And the matter is perfectly white and is, um, it, it's some, sometimes there is the appearance of a star on the surface of the matter on, or in the dry path or in the wet path. So there is a star coming, and it's the symbol of the presence of the spirit, incarnation of the spirit. And here you are completely lost uh, above the, the clouds, so to speak. So you can have some dreams about um, flying and being in very white spaces, um, speaking to people dressed in white and um, having some spiritual initiations. Um, the fact is also that it's a moment of uh, calmness, but deep sleep also. You can have the need to, to integrate or to cut from all the addictions and all the interest you had precedently in the greenness phase. So you just drop everything and you rise above this world and everything that comes from it, this world. So uh, you can feel also very, very alone and, um, and having a need to nap every day and to take some rest and to go inside, uh, I don't know, a cave into Himalaya or uh, making a, a, a quest of vision uh, inside a forest alone <clears throat> and being alone is not um, for some people for some people it's not a problem to be alone and it's even a need but for some there is some feeling of complete um, it's you are so detached from the world that there is a kind of um, there is no fear of death or, and and uh, you don't take at all your responsibilities of this world uh, seriously. So 
if ever the problem could be a possible suicide to commit suicide exactly in the like in the blackness uh, i didn't mention it uh, during uh, the blackness phase in this podcast but there is sometimes a risk to be so lost that you can uh, have the desire to even cut uh, the link with your body or family and uh, all these things so generally the symbols uh, used are the swans uh, white swans and um, also star as i said it and feathers uh, it's also the phase of the moon and it's a phase of purification also because you purify yourself from the world in a way and then you ascend uh, to the celestial um, palaces where you can meet in if we take the old um, Christian ways uh, the father so to speak and uh, there the sun will cook, cook you uh, up to perfection uh, and give you the unction, which is a red face. So the white stage, is that the stage where it's perfect time to go on a pilgrimage? Yes, absolutely. And that's why maybe like, you know, in, in the Islamic world, they, they dress in white when they go do the Hajj to Mecca. Yes, yes. And it's also why probably some uh, some tradition keep the white uh, linens and all the white um, uh, symbols in order to make some initiations during baptism and uh, all these, uh, for example, Catholic initiations, they are always in white, for example. Yeah, when, when I did the initiation with uh, the Bewiti, when I did the iboga in Gabon, we ha- we were dressed in uh, in white for a long time, and then uh, they were adding red to it. To the closer you got to the ceremony, and uh, um, so yeah, they use white and red, but they also use black. Before you even baptized, you you're in black, but then you white, and then you you go into red. So I guess it's very alchemical, black, white, red. Yeah, absolutely, it's very alchemical. And one thing I I thought about just when you were speaking about gray and white was uh, it's not the the most reliable source, but in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is Gandalf the Gray. He fights a demon, he dies, and he comes back as Gandalf the White. So. Yes, yeah, it's it's a kind of multiplication in a way, or alchemical uh, coction or perfection of himself. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we we, we arrived at at red. I I assume. Yeah, I was about to say that. Um, probably there is a Gandalf the Red. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whiteness is also called the White Death. Uh, here in. Um, in the Occidental world, uh, death is depicted as black, and everyone dresses in black and, and um, violet, which is the colors of Saturn. And uh, in the Oriental world, they use whiteness as morning, morning uh, color. So for them, death is um, is not going downside; it's it's leaving this world, but going upside so 
in the Occidental world, we have to rot before being resurrected. And in the Oriental world, we have to rise to the sky to see the gods and then to go back down in, in this world. This is probably why um, the Christian religion stress upon the resurrect, res, resurrection uh, myth and inside Orient, there is more re, uh, reincarnation um, philosophy. So this is just a point about the colors uh, and death. Um, so after the whiteness, uh, there is an intermediary color that is sometimes called the iris. And iris is equal to the peacock tail. But instead of being on blackness, it's on whiteness. And there it's exactly the same pinkish, bluish colors um, with a kind of metallical hue that manifests itself on the matter. And it's uh, not staying a long time. And it's sometimes, depending on the path that is, uh, that is um, taken by the alchemist, there, there is sometimes some green, greenish, greenish color coming inside the matter. And then after that, uh, there is what they call citrinitas, which is the yellow color. And after this yellow color, another kind of color which is more orange red and then reddish color and this is a major color reddish so, so but to simplify it's white and then it's red but between white and red there's very small variations Trans transitory colors so the redness is linked with autumn and the element fire Sometimes it's purple and it's linked to the quintessence and uh, acacia in some ways. Um, um, what to say about it? It's, uh, it's depicted symbolically by a phoenix and uh, it's generally coming back from the sky after whiteness and the spiritual light is incarnated inside the perfect matrix, which was whiteness. So here, like the old authors said, the white contains the red. So it's just an expression of this fire coming out, and it's a solar phase. Um, the fruit, in some way, is perfectly ripped and can fall down the tree on the ground, and it's exactly the same symbol uh, the fruit, yourself, or the matter, is perfectly cooked by the fire and will be completely prepared to be used. And um, the stone is perfected in a way. So the symbols can be some gold apples, um, as I said, a phoenix generally, uh, or a king. Uh, it, and it can also be a king, but depicted with some lions or uh, symbols of multiplication, like trees with a lot of golden apples or red fruits. Um, and also having 
um, depicted all the other planets because he he can rule them all. He can because he, he can transmute them all as kings also. Uh, shamanically, uh, you are coming from the sky of above, where the gods reside, uh, being incarnated back in your body or in this world. So you feel more engaged in this world. You reintegrate your your life, your family, your your uh, relationships with people, society, um, friends, uh, lovers, and whatever, and uh, you see them, um, but with a transmuted vision. They are all incarnating a, a, a piece and a part of the divine light that you have inside yourself. Um, and basically your vision is changed. Before before this uh, maturity, you can have some extreme uh, pressure inside yourself because it's uh, like being cooked with the with the matter, and uh, you can feel that you are extremely aggressive with people because you you are supercharged with um, divine but masculine force into yourself. So if you're a man. You can be um, extremely fiery and uh, extremely reactive, so you need to temper a bit. And uh, you you can have the need to explode in a way. You you feel uh, with limits around self, but your power has no limits. But the, there is a confrontation between the two. And you want to 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 make explode these limits because you feel um, extremely uh, under pressure. So this is uh, a phase of the red stage, and the red stage is uh, very interesting. Once you have exploded these limits, you feel yourself at ease, and instead of being um, binging from the world, you will give to the world. So it's exactly the reversed colors uh, than the greenness. Greenness takes from the world inside yourself, and redness takes from what is inside yourself, and which is not from this world, but you will give it to, to the world in order to transmute it. So it's exactly the same idea as the stone being fermented and oriented and projected on lead, tin, copper, mercury, uh, silver, etc., etc., and all the metals can be transmuted and perfected by your power, which is uh, each time you make this cycle of colors completed and multiplied. So basically, um, in order to be kind of immortal. Immortality is relative, it's a bit paradoxical, but um, the more you are multiplied, the more you die, and the more you resurrect, and more you ascend to the sky and get get supercharged, and then you go back into this uh, middle world, so shamanically speaking. Um, in the dreams, you can see gold 
or you can even see realization that you give to the world, um, you feel also less attached. You have no more attachment and uh, you feel at ease and relaxed with what happens around you. You are concerned, but you are not uh, touched in a way. Uh, it's a, a detached engagement, so to speak. Um, what else? Is that the final color or is there more colors after red? Generally, no, it's uh, the last color. Redness contains the purple color also, uh, which is a bit more uh, magnetic because there is a, a small bluish uh, hue inside this purple, which is an equilibrium between the masculine force and the feminine force. So um, there is an equilibrium. So yes, it is uh, the final color. And after that, generally, the next color is brownish or dark and dark after that. And you go back again inside the underworld where you are completely ripped apart and uh, put into pieces then gathered again and resurrected and you ascend again and, and do all the cycle again and again. But but each time elevated. Exactly, yes. But 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 you know, you say black, green, white, red, I guess, or grey also, but black, green, white, red are the once well ma major events. But uh, that's unusual because normally you only hear black, white, red. This green how did you stick green in there? Well, green, it, it's not that unusual to see greenness, actually, because it's, um, it's quite common to see it happening after the, the blackness. What I could say is that some authors uh, used some shortcuts and uh, maybe they had not such um, an eye on their flask. So because sometimes when you cook something for a year, a year long, um, you don't have an eye on it every day. So a very short color that can sometimes just last for five days on a year, you can miss it. So these authors sometimes just said three colors, black, white, red. So three major important initiations. And uh, so to speak, it's also, yes, it's correct. Um, but some authors also speak about the greenness, yes. And in, in great, sometimes in, in good details, but um, you have to see it by yourself in order to see that the greenness is an important moment. All, all the colors are equilibrating themselves. For example, dark, darkness, blackness is equilibrated by whiteness. Or uh, you can say that uh, the below is equilibrated by the above. But the greenness, which is uh, be going into the world and uh, being resurrected, is also linked with being resurrected, but um, not coming from below to this world, but coming from above into this world, so descending into this world. And it's exactly the same process in a way, but it's um, they are both resurrection, but 
not is in the same sense uh, direction uh, exactly like whiteness and blackness are both death but black death is not equal to the white death you are still dying from something but it's not the same process at all uh, happening so um, the, the color in, interplays and the color process the true colors of time so we could call them like that is of a, a very precise mechanics and it's like a swiss clock but um, from a psychological shamanical uh, magical energetical alchemical uh, life life experience uh, process and all of them are coming together and mixing into only one experience and sometimes it can be very if you are more sensitive you go you can go deeper inside experience but for some people it will just be just colors into a flask and that's all everything depends on on your sensitivity in a way Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good rundown of the colors of alchemy. Uh, you've you've also published a book. Uh, can you tell a bit about this book? Yes, I'm very glad to have this book published. Uh, unfortunately, we, it will not be uh, yet in English. I don't know if we will have a translation. Um, uh, several people asked me about the the last book. Uh, my 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 book, which is named uh, "The Quest of Alchemy and uh, Sixty Eight Laws in Order to to Travel uh, Safely Inside the Hermetical Labyrinth." Um, so it's speaking about uh, all the major principles that you need to know before engaging in inside this labyrinth, which is uh, alchemy, and it's. Um, dealing with symbols and uh, psychology and uh, health readings, um, of course, alchemy, but also safety, for example. And uh, oh, it's, it's so vast. I, I, I'm just uh, myself lost inside the resume of this, of this book. Um, you can also hear you talk about it a bit in episode 24. Um, yeah, it's dealing with the link with the astrology and theurgy also. So it's telling you basically what to do and what not to do in order to begin safely your path inside alchemy and how to how the matter behaves, how it talks to you. Um, but uh, I, I hope we'll have a, a, a translation uh, maybe in a year or two. I don't know exactly. So it has been published uh, in February of this year, 2016, and um, and it's uh, published at uh, Alliance Magique in in France. Uh, so it's um, it's it's a, a nice realization. I'm happy of it. It's a kind of a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Will it be available on like Amazon as well? Absolutely, it's uh, available on Amazon. Uh, for example, it's not. Um, um, it's available at the price of twenty-one euros 
for uh, and it's 365 pages for now. Um, and uh, you can also have it from the website of the publisher Alliance Magic. Yes, I will post links to all, all these places in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com as well as a uh, link to your uh, your blog. Because you have, you have a blog also where you talk about alchemy. Absolutely. I have a blog where I talk about... Um, it's more about philosophy of alchemy. Uh, I decided that uh, enough things was posted about uh, practices of alchemy and uh, not enough about the psychological part of alchemy or uh, hermeticism. And I try to to make links with different, sometimes myth and sometimes traditions or uh, what I can leave or what some other people can have uh, experienced in their life practicing alchemy. And um, so trying to depict all these uh, experiences as far as I can. It's both in French and in English, and uh, I try to translate my uh, articles in English uh, sometimes also. Cool. Thank you for uh, joining the podcast once again. Thank you very much for your invitation, and it was a great pleasure to talk about uh, all these colors of alchemy. If you want to check out Salasi's book, go to the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com for links to sites where you can get it. Salasius will appear again, and we have already decided that we are going to talk about the mysterious and important alchemical text, the Emerald Tablet. So stay tuned for that. Now, why not finish this episode with a song about colors? The band is called The Y-Axis, and the song is Green to Gold from the album Sunglasses and Solar Flares. You can listen to more of their music at the yaxis.bandcamp.com. I will post links to their music in the program notes as well. Please don't forget to leave a nice review for this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher if you have the time. As well as follow our Facebook page, which is facebook forward slash naturalbornalchemist, and our Twitter account, which is called Born Alchemist. Freedom is in the mind.